0: Um, Last week, Pastor Dave spoke from Hebrews 4, and it's amazing how it ties in with what God wants us to hear this morning, and the prophetic word just before, all about fixing our eyes on Jesus. There's no greater thing for us to do than focus on Jesus. No matter what we're going through, no matter what we've been through, what we're going through and what we will go through. We need to always have our eyes fixed on him, especially in this day and age. We have to focus on him. That's the only answer. Our only answer, our only strength will come from him. Amen. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word brings us life and hope, and it brings us everything that we need. Father, I thank you that you are for us and you're not against us. I thank you, O oh God, that when we open your word, we can hear from your heart, O oh God. And I pray that we would hear from your heart this morning. we thank you, Father, in Jesus name. Amen. I just want to read a scripture from Philippians, and this is Paul speaking. It says, "Not that I speak in regard to need. For I have learned, in whatever state I am, to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, who strengtheneth me. That's a man that knew the heart of God. It didn't matter what circumstance, what situation. He knew how to dwell with God. He knew how to sustain himself through the word of God. Amen. And that's what we want to look at. We're going to look at Acts chapter 6 and Stephen. This is a it's an awesome account of how somebody no matter what he was doing, he fixed his eyes on Jesus and how his death ended has been spoken. Generation after generation after generation. And you know, we can have the same, not necessarily the same experience, but we can have that same ending to our lives where we're focusing our eyes on him and everything that we do. Amen. Let's start from Acts chapter 6. And it says in verse 1, Now in those days... When the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of disciples and said, Is it not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables? Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation Full of the Spirit, Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man of faith, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip and Prochorus, and Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Now this account just says they picked Stephen, right? We don't know what Stephen was doing other than that he was a disciple. And what what I really like about the scripture it says these seven men of whom we're going to focus on Stephen they were full they had good reputation they were full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom and that tells me that when Stephen before he had this position his eyes were fixed on Jesus you know and we go through life we go through different stages in life and it's important whatever stage we're in whether we're seeking him for for an answer for something or whether he's just answered something that you've been crying out to for years and years, that we keep focusing on him. Because we're going to look at two people in this message message today. One, whose eyes were constantly fixed on Jesus. And another, who at one point his eyes were fixed on God, and then he lost his way. Because he got too distracted by what God had blessed him with. Let us never be like that, that we would be distracted by the things that God has blessed us with. Amen? So Stephen had his eyes fixed on Jesus no matter what the circumstance. Our circumstances and situations will change, but God does not change. His word does not change. It may seem sometimes the things that we go through that maybe God's changing, but he hasn't changed. We have to reassure our hearts that God does not change, that his word does not change, that it's the same for generation after generation, amen? and that brings us faith. We are going to read a lot of scriptures, but the word brings faith. And isn't that what we want? We want faith. We want to be filled with faith. Amen? The more we fix our eyes on Jesus, the stronger we become. And again, in verse 5, it says, They chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit. We can only be full of faith By fixing our eyes on Jesus. What is taking our eyes off of him? Like when Peter, I mentioned the last time I spoke, when he was on the the water. He was walking on the water, then he looked at the storm, he looked at the waves. He took his eyes off Jesus and he began to sink. That's what happens with us. Our faith begins to sink when we take our eyes off Jesus. Amen? Amen. So whatever we're going through, let's always remember to keep our eyes on him. So Stephen was full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And let's go on in verse 8. It says, And Stephen was full of faith and power. He did great wonders and signs among people. So he has this position. Now, we could look at this position and think, Oh, he's just going to distribute food. But they didn't take it so lightly. They wanted men full of faith and wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit. A good reputation. And that's what Stephen... That's what his life was about. Before he was given this position. So before give, God gives you a new position, make sure that you're full of faith. And then even after he gives it, make sure you're still full of faith. Amen. Don't forget who gives you the things that you, you're blessed with. Don't, I mean, it's, it's, it sounds like a basic thing, but how many times do we do that? How many times do we forget who's given the blessings to us? And how many times have we seen people fall away because of the bless after the God has blessed them. It sounds simple, but it's not always that simple, is it? It's easy for us to take our eyes off him. Verse 8. And Stephen was full of faith and power. He did great wonders and signs among the people. It's amazing how God has promoted Stephen because he was faithful. He wasn't just full of faith now. But he was full of power, great wonders, and signs he did among the people. And some people could look, oh, why, why wasn't I chosen to preach the word? Why wasn't I chosen to do something different other than administer food, administrate food? But that wasn't Stephen's attitude at all. And because he was faithful, he did great signs and wonders in this position. That's amazing, right? You know, I thank God for the people that we have in this house who are in hospitality who are ushers, greeters, and the people that work downstairs because they, they bring an atmosphere into this house. You know, when you see somebody smiling and shaking your hand, it, there's an atmosphere in the house, amen? Don't take your position lightly, okay? If you want God to bless you, don't take your position lightly. Look to your source. Look to your source, amen? You never know what God's going to do for you. Sorry. Don't think that you're insignificant. Don't ever think you're insignificant you're not. Don't think that God will never use you. That's what the enemy will have you believe. Focus on Jesus. He'll use you. He may take you halfway around the world. (laughs) I'm nobody special, okay? (laughs) You know, I say it over and over again, but I want you to understand that God will take you way beyond what you think in the natural Way beyond. I had my job at Universal. I thought I was all set. Got this job. I worked really hard to get this job. (laughs) I really worked hard. (laughs) I did, you know. Six years of schooling, and then a year and a half, or whatever it was. It's almost two years after I finished my degree, I finally had a permanent job. And left about four years later to go to Africa, not knowing how I was going to live or anything. You just never know what God's going to do for you. We just need to fix our eyes on him. And I'll never forget the prayer meetings we used to have. I mentioned it before. All of that came out of men's prayer meeting that started at First Assembly, that Pastor Dave Sr. started years and years and years ago. And it had an impact on my life that I never saw coming. (laughs) I really never saw it coming. Do you ever? All right, let me go back to verse 8, sorry. We're going to read verses 8 through 10. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Then there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freemen, Syrians and Alexandrians and those from Sicily and Asia disputing with Stephen, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. How was that possible? Because he had his eyes fixed on Jesus. They couldn't resist the wisdom. No matter what was coming against him, God was still with him, because he was still reaching out in his heart to God. Amen? So be content with whatever situation you're in. God will bless us with opportunities. And when he does, let's keep our motives pure. You know, one thing I like about this church is that we're not trying to build a kingdom within ourselves. We're not trying to build a kingdom here, we're not. You know, we want the word of God preached. We want lives changed. We're not trying to make a name for ourselves like some ministries do. It's really sad when they do that. I know somebody who is a pastor. He built a house two years ago that was several hundred thousand dollars. Now he's building a million dollar house. What's the point? Are you just trying to build riches for yourself? What's the point? How big a house do you need? You'll never be satisfied if your eyes are focused on riches. Never be satisfied. And we're going to see that now as we, as we go into 1 Kings. Okay. I want to look at Solomon. We'll go back to Stephen in a minute. But I want to look at Solomon. Because this is a man that God blessed tremendously. We can't even with our natural mind conceive of how blessed Solomon was. So I want to look at 1 Kings chapter 3 and verses 4 through 9 because we're gonna look at two people one who lost his focus and one who focused who kept his focus right on through his death. In 1 Kings chapter 3 verses 4 through 9, now the king went to Gibeon, this is Solomon, to sacrifice there for there was a great high place Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings at the altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David and my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with you. Let that be so for our lives. Amen. Amen. This scripture isn't just to talk about Solomon. This is to teach us a lesson. Amen. Let us walk in truth and righteousness and uprightness before him. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given me a son, him a son, to sit on his throne, as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king. Instead of my my father David. But I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen. A great people too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people. That I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people? people of yours. Now there's humility in this, right? Humility for a season. And because he had asked this thing, we can jump down to verse 12. God says to him, behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has not been anyone like you before you, like you before you, nor shall any like you after, nor shall any like you arise after you. That's pretty amazing. We can't really conceive of that, right? That's how much God was going to bless this guy. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any like you among the kings all your days. How much favor did this king have with God? amazing, right? And here's the warning. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. So there's a condition, right? He had a great example. David was a great example for him. He wasn't perfect. But if God's saying, look, if you you walk the way your father walked, David must have been a good example, right? He had a great example. He had a God that was faithful to him. Amen? And God blessed him beyond measure. I don't think naturally we can imagine how much God blessed him. And in 1 Kings 4, 29, it says, And God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and largest of his heart, like the sand of the seashore. It's pretty amazing how God blessed him, Right? And then he was able to build the temple that David wasn't able to build. And he was able to build this massive house and all these accomplishments that Solomon was was doing through the grace of God, through the blessing of God. We need to always remember the things that we accomplish because God has given us the ability. He's the one that blesses us. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. Every good and perfect gift. You know, I guess I'll... I'm going to just sidetrack for a second. But when I was growing up, I didn't really think too much of myself. I really didn't. I was number six of eight in a household where there ended up being divorce when I was a teenager. And I had nobody that would build up my confidence. Nobody. Just nobody. My father didn't. Just, he didn't. You know, the only time I got attention was when I got in trouble, and I wasn't a—I wasn't a real bad kid. I was too scared to do anything bad. (laughs) I really didn't do much bad because I was too scared. (laughs) I didn't want to get beat. I didn't want—you know—I just—I was just too scared to really go too far astray, out of fear. You know, and um, so anyway, I really didn't—I didn't have a whole lot of confidence. I felt like I wasn't very good at anything, and and then in 1974. save me. I didn't want to go to hell, so I gave my life to God. In 1974, after my parents divorced and we moved back to Binghamton, which was originally our hometown. And I never knew I could sing. Never knew I could sing. And I feel like God gave me the ability to sing, to, to help me feel good about something about myself. It may sound weird, but I felt like when I was growing up i didn't have a whole lot that I felt very proud of, you know what I mean, not arrogant, but just to feel good about yourself you know I felt like i wasn't very good at anything i wasn't a great student until I started to apply myself and but God changed all that, you know, and all these years i've sung you know i never I never really went out to try to sing in the world I just didn't That's, you know and and nothing blesses and touches my heart than music about our God and our Savior. Nothing else blesses my heart like that. Nothing. And I guess all these years, I've basically sung for him. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. You know, I could have gone, maybe tried something else, some music, but it wasn't my desire at all. Not at all. And, um, But it was it was God's way of, sorry, giving me something. I say, yeah, I I can do something. And then uh, at some point, I I started studying harder and harder and harder to the point I was almost obsessed with it. (laughs) But I still served God through all those years, even all the years of study and everything. And he kept me. He's kept me 50 years. Not that my focus has always been great and wonderful, but it's my testimony. And God can keep you. If you keep your eyes fixed on him, if you keep surrendering to him, he'll keep you. Until your last breath. Amen. We're gonna look at Solomon again. In chapter 9. And it came to pass when Solomon had finished the house of the Lord and the king's house. You know, David wanted to build the house of the Lord, but God said no. He said Solomon's gonna build it. Solomon got the blessing his father didn't get. And all Solomon's desires, which he wanted to do. That the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time. As he appeared to him in Gibeon, at Gibeon, and the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. I have consecrated this house which you have built to put my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Now... If you walk before me as your father David walked. David was a great example. God keeps reminding him, walk like your father and you'll be okay. You know, those of you who have had godly parents that have raised you in godly homes, you should be thankful for them. You should be really thankful for them. I thank my parents because they taught me the fear of God. It wasn't a real godly home, but they taught me the fear of God. And you, you know, the people, those of you who have been raised in a godly home, that's a huge blessing. It's a huge opportunity. I'm back to um, verse 4. Now if you walk before me as your father David walked in the integrity of heart and in uprightness to do according to all that I have commanded you, and if you keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever. That's quite a promise, right? As I promised David, your father, saying, you shall not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. But if you or your sons at all turn from following me, is another warning, we need to pay attention to the warnings. And do not keep my commandments and my statutes which I have made before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them. Then I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given them, and this house which I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight. That's pretty drastic. Amen. And Israel will be a proverb and a byword among the peoples. And as for this house, which is exalted, everyone who passes by it will be astonished and will hiss and say, Why has the Lord done this? thus to this land and to this house? Then they will answer, because they forsook the Lord their God. Because they didn't pay heed. They lost their focus. Who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt and embraced other gods and worshipped them and served them. Therefore, the Lord has brought all this calamity on them. So basically, God was going to bless him. I did bless him beyond much beyond what we could actually conceive in our hearts and our minds without actually seeing it. But he also warned them, if you stray, there'll be problems. In verse 23 in chapter 10, it says, so King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. That's amazing. We can't really comprehend it all. And I want to jump to chapter 11, chapter 11, and this is Solomon's downfall, and let us not be so for us, let us keep our focus, amen, Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith, we get our faith from him, we get our faith from being in the word. We won't get any faith from we won't get faith from the things of this world. It doesn't give us anything that's lasting, nothing. You know, we all know people that are rich that died, right? Yeah. I'm taking it with them. I have some relatives that were rich, and it's sad to think that I don't think they're in a good place. Some of them, anyway. But King Solomon loved many foreign women. As much as God blessed him, he had his focus all messed up as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sodom, (laughs) and the Hittites, from the nations of, of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, You shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn your hearts After their gods, Solomon clung to these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. And in verse 4, this is where it's really sad. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God as was the heart of his father, David. He totally lost his focus. God blessed him so much, and it just seemed like he couldn't get enough. Couldn't get enough of what he thought he needed. He couldn't be satisfied with what God had given to him. Let us be satisfied with what God gives to us. Amen? With whatever circumstance we're in. Like Paul says, let us learn to be content with whatever circumstance we're in. Easy to lose our focus when things are going well. Amen. But Stephen didn't lose his focus. We're going to go back to Stephen, okay? Back in chapter 6. Because we don't want the same kind of downfall that Solomon had. We don't want to lose our focus and lose the blessing. Amen. And again in verse 10, it says in Stephen, they were not able to resist the wisdom and spirit by which he spoke. That's really powerful. Then let's go on to verse 11. It says, then they secretly induced men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. This is all made up, all a lie. And they stirred up the people, the elders and scribes, and they came upon him, seized him, and brought him to the council. They arrested him. They didn't have any right to arrest him, but they did. Because they were jealous, they also set up false witnesses who said, "This man does not seek to speak blasphemous words against the holy place and the law, for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth, who destro- Jesus of Nazareth, who dis- will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us." He still didn't take his focus off. These people arrested him. They had no right to arrest him. They made false accusations. Sounds like Jesus, right? Sounds just like Jesus. It's amazing. This, this Stephen, has, he's just an amazing individual, and he's no different than us. We're people just like he was. And all, and then verse 15, all who sat in the council looking steadfastly at him Saw his face as the face of an angel. God did something miraculous here because his focus didn't change. Stephen kept his focus. He's no different than us. No different. You know, he was in charge of the tables, he wasn't even the one preaching the word. Yet God did great and signs and mighty wonders through this man because he believed in his Savior. He served his Savior with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength. And he was full of faith and wisdom. Amen. Only by by keeping his focus could Stephen go through what he went through. And then in chapter 7, Stephen goes on about, explains to them about the call of Abraham and how God had called Abraham, how he was going to bless him. And he was going to bless him for generations and how he, blessed, he was going to bless him with a son, Isaac. And then Isaac would have Jacob. And then Jacob, one of Jacob's sons was Joseph. And we know about Joseph. How he was sold into slavery by his brothers. And Joseph never lost his focus. If you want to read somebody who never lost his focus, that's a powerful story. Thrown in prison. Treated like garbage. But God blessed him and God was faithful to Joseph. Amen? He used him. To help the people of Israel when there was famine. And then we know that the Israelites ended up in in Egypt for 400 years. And then Egypt raises up Moses. Moses takes the people, Israel, out of Egypt by great signs and wonders. Miraculous signs and wonders. But Israel, what did they do? They rebelled. They rebelled against God in the wilderness. No matter how many signs and wonders he did, they still took their focus off him. When they came out of Egypt and there was the Red Sea in front of them and the Egyptians behind them, they looked at all their problems. They didn't look at the same God that did signs and wonders to bring them out of Egypt. They forgot all the incredible things that he did. Oh, they looked at this storm. They looked at that storm. And oh, why did you bring us out here to let us die in the wilderness? God doesn't bring us into a wilderness to let us die there. He will see us through the wilderness if our focus and our attention is on him not on the storms, not on the Red Sea, not on the enemy this way, but our focus on him. And it didn't matter what God did for the people of Israel. They always lost their focus. They kept losing their focus, no matter how many times he provided for them. And because of that, they couldn't enter the promised land. Right? Because they lost their focus. They paid attention to everything else. They paid attention to the things they didn't have, Then what they had, they complained about what they had, but they didn't have, it didn't matter what God did for them. Especially all the signs and wonders he did. They couldn't enter the promised land because they didn't have focus. They didn't have the focus on on God. They didn't have their focus on the source, on the provider. Let us have our focus on our provider so we can enter the promised land. Amen? Amen. Isn't that the point, that we want to be in the promises of God? And then uh, in chapter 7, back to Stephen and his situation, you stiff-necked people. This is a guy with a lot of nerve. He's just been arrested, right? And God gives him all the wisdom he needs to share what God had done in the past. And then he turns around and says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised of heart, in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit, as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now became betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of angels and have kept it. So he's basically telling them what they've done in their history, and then what they've just done. They lost their focus too, amen. And then we're going to move on to verse 54. It says, "When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and gnashed their teeth at and gnashed at him with their teeth." But he, speaking of Stephen, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. How many times do you you hear about Jesus standing at the right hand of God? Usually sitting at the right hand of God. This is an amazing event from somebody whose focus was totally on God, no matter what he was going through, whether it was persecution, whether it was good things, whether God was using him mightily or not. Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of God and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Powerful. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Sounds like Jesus. How powerful. This guy was focused, man. He forgave them why they were stoning him. The grace of God was upon this man's life. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Didn't matter, even up to his death, when people were killing him. They had no right to kill him. His focus was totally on Jesus. So powerful. So powerful. And I want to bring up a couple of things to make this more personal, and um, so that maybe we could relate a little bit. And I want to bring up a couple of scriptures as well. And I just want to share a couple things. Like, when I was in England years ago, I went there and God called me to go to England to live there. And first of all, before I went, I'm going to give you a couple different accounts. Um, There was a gentleman here who had come from the UK and was living here and working with the church that I was a part of. And he was somebody that God had delivered from a bad life. He was an ex-con. He was a bad dude, really bad dude. And God had saved him and delivered him. And he was used in speaking to prisons, churches. And one day he asked me, I said, I'm going back to the UK. You want to go with me? So it was one of my first mission trips. I guess it was my, no, one of my first mission trips. And uh, I said, sure, I'll go. And this guy was instrumental in God using me to go to England and go and live there and work with the church over there. He was instrumental in that, but he lost his focus. This is somebody that God delivered from a really terrible life, who was an ex-felon or whatever, I don't know if they call them felonies or whatever, but he was a bad dude. And God was using him, but he got offended and he got hurt by people in the church. And he let it fester and fester and fester Eventually, he moved back to England, got offended by people over there in the church because whatever he was expecting them to do didn't happen. He lost his focus. He was focused more on the people that disappointed him than on the one who doesn't disappoint. And this guy totally, his marriage blew up. Um, I don't think, I don't know if anybody in the family serves God anymore. He certainly doesn't, unfortunately. And I listened to a videotape that he had on YouTube the other day. And I thought, oh, it just sounded like a load of rubbish. He totally. But it was so off the wall. God delivered him. And he gives no um, credit to what God did in his life anymore because he lost his focus. I mean, God did an amazing thing in this guy's life. And those of you who have been delivered from either jail or drugs, don't lose your focus. This guy lost his focus and his life's a mess. He may look nice on the outside, but it's a mess. And it's very disappointing, someone that God used and worked with me and we worked together and he was a good friend of mine. To see him just fall away like that is so disappointing because he lost his focus. And then when I went to England, I'm going to give you kind of, sort of a funny story, but um, maybe not. <laughs> I, I went over there, and when I went there, there was no guarantee of making any money. You know, and that's the way it was. You know, I, I know God called me to do it, and I was going to do it. You know, I, had, I guess I had my focus, you know, that, that God had called me to go to England. Even when they said, oh, we don't have any money to pay you. And I was, I think I was 37 at the time. And I had had worked good jobs, I had a house and all that, but I knew what God was calling me to do and I was gonna do it, you know? And when I got over there, I had to live with a family. So I had my bedroom with this family and then, uh, they're good friends of mine, (laughs) but I had to live with them for months and I had to take on this job and it was like a stationary printers job. Like I worked on the counter and helped people. I worked like three days a week and that was my only way of getting money. I, had found, I made five pounds an hour, which is about $8 an hour. And it wasn't much. It was just enough to get by. You know, that was, that was my season that I was in at the time. I can't say I was totally content, like Paul was, but that was, that was what I was doing. That was my way to earn some money. And I kind of got a bad attitude. The, uh, the manager of the shop... To me, he wasn't a strong leader. He wasn't. His parents owned the company, and um, I got a bit of an attitude. Well, he went and told the pastor, and I got called out to lunch by the <laughs> pastor and one of the elders on the board. And it was so humbling and humiliating to be called out here you are, this missionary, and you got a bad attitude, and they got to sort you out. <laughs> right? yeah. But you know what? I had to humble myself. And eat some crow, as I say, right? Because I was the one that had the attitude. You know, I had to sort myself out in a way. You know, and get my focus, get refocused. And what is very disappointing, when people get corrected in the church, how often they turn around and leave. And when pastor, when a pastor or a leader corrects somebody, they get offended and walk out the door. They miss it. There are times God is going to correct us. And we got to refocus. Don't focus on the fact you're being told off. Focus back on Jesus. And don't up and leave. God doesn't want us to up and leave after every time we get offended. Because then you know what happens? Then we take that offense to the next church, and that doesn't really do the church. You're going to any good. We want to leave. If it's time, if our season's up, to move to another church, we always want to move honorably. And I can tell you, I'll give you another quick example. I worked for a narcissist in the church, in the church. It was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. And I wasn't corrected out of the word. I was corrected out of anger and rage. And it was terrible. I've never been so stressed all the time in all my life. And I gave up everything to go up there and work with this person in the church. So we know that there are some pastors who lose their way. They lose their way. They do. Or they treat people like garbage. That God has never intended pastors to treat us like garbage. Never. And my wife and I, we went through, I'm just going to say, it was like a living hell up there. Okay? I'm not going to say where, it doesn't matter. But we didn't leave offended. We waited until God gave us the opportunity. And it's amazing what He did to bring everything together. And we could have left long before that. Long before, many times over, right? Many times over. And in fact, one of the the really horrible things we went through early on, I almost left right away. But I didn't. The guy came and apologized, I didn't leave. And I'm glad we didn't because there was a lot that God had for us. And including that was the first time I took a team, that we took a team to Ecuador. And if we had left, offended, or left too soon, we would have missed that. So. There are times, you know, that, that we will run across people that aren't good shepherds. But oftentimes God will correct us through leaders or pastors and just swallow it, you know? Listen. It's, just, it's very disappointing when, when people won't listen to the voice of God. In fact, the, I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures. It says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. This is 2 Timothy 3.16. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. We can't just skip over these scriptures, okay? We can't just skip over them. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And in Hebrews 13, 17, it says, Obey those... Nobody's told me to say this, okay? This is in my heart to say this. Nobody's told me to say this, Okay? Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. This man watches out for your souls. I'm just going to say it. He watches out for your souls. I don't think you realize what this man goes through. God's called him to be this shepherd here. And I appreciate him so much. It's so wonderful to work with somebody. With the appreciation this man has. I've never felt so appreciated in all my life, I right? think. <laughs> I'm just being totally honest. Okay? This guy's not out here to rule over you. I know what it's like to work for a pastor who rules it over you. It's not fun. Okay? It's not. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do do so with joy and not with grief. Don't bring grief upon this man because you don't want to listen, okay? Amen, can I hear amen? amen? For that would be unprofitable for you. This is what the word says, I'm just sharing from the word. Sometimes we don't want to hear these scriptures. But we need to hear them. Amen? I needed to hear them when they hauled me off to lunch one day after, after having a bad attitude. And I did. My attitude was terrible. I didn't want to go to these meetings. I thought they were a waste of time first thing in the morning. like, Why are we doing these meetings first thing in the morning? It's a waste of time. And that was my attitude. And I got called out for it. And I had to sort myself out. And, it, and the, the places that God has sent me to I've just been amazed at what he has done. You know, I hung in there. I could have gone on the next plane. I'm out of here. Nope. (laughs) I I could have, you know. I said, forget this. And I would have missed everything that God had for me at that place. There were times I was hurt badly. Because people hurt people, you know. Sometimes that happens. But then we have to move on from it. Okay? And while I was preparing this message, the other night I was listening music in my car, which I do a lot, and I'm amazed at how God just drops things in my heart when I'm preparing for things like this, and there's a guy named Jeremy Camp, and I know he lost his first wife quite young, and I think it was from cancer, and some of the words of his songs are so powerful because they're so real, and you know this guy has lived through it, okay? So I'm going to play this song, and I'm going to read some of the words to you. I know quite often I finish with a song, but music ministers to my heart. It just does. It just... Especially words that have so much meaning and depth. And it says in the chorus, I really want you to hear this, because it's all about our focus, right? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. It says in the chorus, singing, O Lord, keep me in the moment, Help me, live my, help me live with my eyes wide open because I don't want to miss what you have for me. You don't want to miss what he has for you. It's easily to get offended. Then you could miss what God has for you. Oh Lord, show me what matters. Take away what I'm chasing after. Don't be chasing after things that aren't going to bring any satisfaction because I don't want to miss what you have for me. And then one of the... In this one verse, it says, So it's all eyes on you until the day you call me home. So that's my prayer for us today. And I'm going to play this, and I just want you to just really listen to the heart behind this music. Amen? Just get your eyes fixed on him. Amen? (laughs)
1: I've been thinking about time, and where does it go? How can I stop my life from passing me by? I don't know. I've been thinking about family. Now it's coming so fast. Will I wake up one morning, just wishing that I could the moment. Help me live with my eyes wide open because I don't want to miss what you have for me. Oh, Lord, show me what matters. Take away my am chasing after because I don't want to miss what you have for me. Keep me in the moment. keep me in the moment. What you have for me. Lord mm-hmm. mm-hmm. touch my heart. Don't let me strain. I just wanna stay where you
0: are. Amen. All I got is
1: one shot, one mm-hmm. try, one go around in this beautiful life. Nothing is wasted, but wasted and
0: everything's wasted in your life. Amen. Sing it.
1: Oh, oh, Keep me in the moment. Help me live with my eyes wide open. Cause I don't wanna miss what you have for me. Oh Lord, show me what matters. Take away what I'm chasing after. Cause I don't wanna miss what you have for me. A moment. Me in a moment. miss what you have for me I believe now heaven and the promise you hold So it's all, all eyes on you till the day you call me home Sing it, for keep me in the moment Help me live with my eyes wide open Cause I don't want to miss what you have for me me in the moment. Keep me in the moment. Keep me in the
0: moment. you me in Keep me in the moment. 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 I don't wanna miss what you have in me hey me Amen. I'm just going to read it again, just a little bit. So it's all eyes on you until the day you call me home. Let that be so for us. Our eyes on him until the day he calls us home. So in the end, he can say, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Amen. So I just want the worship team to come up. and you uh, want to take over?
2: And I just wanted to <clears throat> share as uh, Pastor Kerr and the worship team is coming up this morning to, uh, to lead us um, in worship here at the end. And in a moment, we're going to open the altars. And if you need prayer for anything, please, by all means, come forward. But there's, there's, there's two dangers as human beings when we walk with God and what the enemy's going to do. The enemy's either going to try to get us to run when things get hard or the enemy's gonna to try to get us distracted when things get comfortable. And I have learned a lot in coaching athletics working with athletes. And when you work with an athlete and you're pushing an athlete in practice, a lot of times they wanna quit. And then I've coached teams where we start practice, we're starting practice, practice starts out, we got 60 guys on the team. By the second week into the season, we're down to 40 guys. And things get hard and they leave. And what what kids inevitably fail to understand is the minute they run out the door and they keep on running, they miss out on what's gonna happen in the season. But the other thing I tell the 40 guys that stay on the team is sometimes what can happen is you start to have success and you can start to feel really, really good. And when they've talked to championship coaches, what they find out is when a coach is coaching at a really high level, where they celebrate the win is from when the time the game stops to when they get to the locker room and then once they get in the locker room they're already ready for the next thing and the thing I would encourage you today is don't be a runner I deal with a lot of people in the body of Christ people come to church I have invested my life into people and the next moment they run and they don't say a word to me and see one of the things I, I'm currently looking at a leadership series, and this guy's a pastor for a long time. He said, understand, one thing to understand about being a shepherd is sometimes sheep bite. And that those bites can come a lot of different ways. And one of the things sheep don't understand when they're following a shepherd is that a lot of times a shepherd can see the danger the sheep can. And in Psalm 23, David writes the line, and it says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. Understand what David says there. He makes me. Sometimes, as a shepherd, and sometimes when God deals with us, there's hard conversations that have to be had. And there's a lot of people in this area alone who jump from church to church. They go to this church, whatever happens, something happens, they get offended. They go to the next church, and they think, if I go to this next church, it's going to be different. What they fail to understand is that pastor, this pastor, and that pastor are all human beings. And if you stay around long enough and you stay around in this church long enough, there's something that's imperfect. And I'll be the first person to tell anybody that if you're looking at me as if I'm perfect and I have it all together, then just wait, hang around long enough. I got my own fallacies, so I'm a human being. But that's, that's my encouragement as a pastor to you is don't run. Don't run when you get offended. Don't run when you make mistakes because there's people that screw up and when they make mistakes, they go isolate and they go hide. And they think that my life is going to get easy because I'm in isolation, I'm hiding. But what they fail to understand is you have taken the bait of the devil. Because the devil wants you to get isolated from the flock. Because any wolf that goes after sheep understands that if I'm going to get that sheep, I've got to get the sheep away from the shepherd. And once that sheep goes off by itself, a lot of times this is how wolves attack. They watch that sheep and they watch it go off by its own and they surround it. That sheep doesn't even know it's surrounded. And then usually the alpha male will present itself to the sheep. And when that sheep sees that wolf and it sees its teeth, it runs. But what they don't understand is they're running to five other wolves. And because they have disconnected from the shepherd, they have no protection. Sheep cannot protect themselves. They don't have any teeth. They don't have any claws. And the wolves will tear them apart. And when people in the body of Christ, the whole thing with the pandemic by the enemy was to get people isolated, to get people out of the house of God, stay at home, watch online, you're okay. Well, let me tell you, if you can be in the house of God and you're watching online, you're being disobedient to the Holy Spirit. Anybody who's watching me right now online, I'm probably saying something. You're like, I don't like what that guy's having to say. Guess what? I'm not here for anybody's entertainment. I learned a long time as a pastor, if you are in this for the pleasure of people, then you need to do something different. Because at the end of your life, guess what? At the end of Jesus' life on this earth, at Calvary, everybody left him. and He was all alone. So, I want to ask this question, and then we're going to open the altars. And again, I'm going to encourage you today. If you have time to stay after downstairs, it's going to be a great time of fellowship. Even if it's your first time, please stay. We have a lot of food. We want to feed you. I personally love food, so please stay. Have a good time. But I just want to ask a simple question before we open up the altars. If there is anyone here today, you came into this place, you didn't know Jesus. Or maybe growing up as a kid, you grew up in the church and you've walked away from God for a long, long time. And you simply want to say to Jesus, I want to surrender my life and I want everything you have for me. If that's you today, I just want to ask you to stand up. Because I want to recognize you as a church and I want to pray for you and i just wait a few moments. Praise God. So Father, just pray today for those that have stood. And Father God, there are things in our life that you call us to surrender. Lord, there's areas that have to be pruned. Jesus, you never said that this is going to be a comfortable journey. There's things that have to be laid down, and Father, they can only be laid down by your grace and your power. So Father, for all those who have stood today, Father, I pray that everything would be surrendered unto you. That Father God, you would continue to do a work. And the Father, that your will would be done. In the name of Jesus, amen.